Hey, Hound Dogs, I'm David Hankins. I'm Paul Hankins. And you're on the air with Power Squared. Uh, this week we have Rick Offenberger, the uh, editor-in-chief of First Comics News, here as a guest. Welcome back to the show. You're on, a, I think, a while, maybe a couple years ago. Yeah, well, no, we were on before. I think I think it was with our first Kickstarter. It might have been the second. Yeah, and there was a whole gang of you. As our yeah, it was me and it was Eric and it was Jim. Yeah. Was yeah. Like, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, uh, Jim and Eric are my partners in G-Man Comics. Okay, so we, we're here to talk about your current Kickstarter with G and G-Man Comics. So um, let's start with your new Kickstarter, uh, which started yesterday? Yesterday. We launched yesterday. Um, we publish in quantity. Um, the, the biggest problem with being an indie publisher on Kickstarter is that they charge you $6 to ship the book. If you paid $10 to buy the comic and then $6 to ship it, it becomes much more expensive. Right. And um, you can actually ship five for the same price that you can ship one once you put it in the Gemini mailer and you, you hit that weight level. Right. And, and so we thought it would be better to publish them together. And so we do two Kickstarters a year. And the idea was that, I mean, we only had two books at the beginning and we had a handbook, so we got three in a box. And we've gone as high as 11, which was, was a real stretch for us. Um, this time out, uh, we, have, um, we have five comics and a... Um, and a handbook, so yeah, six total. I really like the handbook. Uh, to be honest with you, when I read that, I mean, because it's all the characters and kind of a little yeah. backstory and everything. I thought that'd be. I wish we had enough characters to really pull that off. <laughs> um, so, you have stretch goals and add-ons. Do you have a favorite of those? Well, I mean, my favorite is joining the G-Men. I mean, for me, um, I always loved comics. I mean, since I was a little kid. When I was seven years old, uh, you know, my father's buying me comics, and, and we'd go to Sunday school, and he'd buy me a Slurpee and comics on the way back. <laughs> you know, he'd read the comics to me. He had collected comics when he was a kid. Oh, that's cool. And so I think this gave him an excuse that he was reading them to me when I'm seven, and so he could read them again. Right. And um, you know, I've I've been in comics my whole life. You know, and. Oh, yeah. So um, when, I, when I started making my very first comic, I was a retailer. And one of the guys in the shop was drawing the comic. And we were photocop and, and I was lettering it with my Macintosh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were, uh, he would do a, when he, each time he completed a page, I'd letter it. And then I would photocopy it, uh, you know, eight and a half by 11. And we would put it in the box with everyone's pull. So everyone who was had a pull list at the store would get a page as we were producing the comic. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and um, I ended up getting divorced before the comic was ever published. <laughs> and when I had the store, I think the print run, my minimum print run for that um, was like 500 books. I think that was the least I could get. Huh. And I thought, well, I have the store. And I'm doing conventions every weekend. And we we had a local convention we went to twice a week. And I thought, I can move 500. And I don't have to move 500 to break even. Right. You know what I mean? But I thought I could, you know, if I'm there and I'm selling it and I sign it and I'm, I'm meeting people, you know. We, we could, and, I, and my ambition was to publish. And we had another artist working on the second issue, uh, theoretically. Uh, and so the idea was that I thought I could publish this in black and white. And I could do that, but it took me 30 years to publish the comic. Huh. 
And so I thought, you know, there are a lot of other people in my position. They created characters they love. They want to publish. They want them published in a comic. They'd like to see them in print. They'd like to be able to hold that. Yeah. They'd like to feel that they got there. And so when you join the G-Men, your character shows up in the book. You don't have to wait all those years. Huh. And so he, the, the idea with the G-Men is I run it sort of like Mission Impossible. <laughs> he's a, a G-Man because he's it, the old slang for an FBI agent. Right. So he's Simon N. Kirby, named after Simon N. Kirby, <laughs> uh, the agent, because he's an FBI agent. Right. And each episode, you know, each book, he picks a team, and just like they did in Mission Impossible. And so some of them are my characters, and some of them are not. Right. And the ones that aren't are, um, you know, it's supposed to be six of our um, uh, of our backers, and so they they pledge to join that and their character is uh, makes a cameo in the story uh-huh. uh, they secure a, a trademark for their character because we published and mm-hmm. their character oh I see has appeared uh, in publication yeah, right not a registered trademark but a TM trademark right and, and that's still legal and then they also appear in the handbook that's cool and so they get so they work with our production people and we do a who's who page for them and then they, we send them the digital files of the pin up for the character of the page that it appears in of the uh, handbook entry and so then if they publish their own comic later they can still use the you know the who's who page so how much does that cost to do that's 150 150 okay and that's and how is that already sold out on this oh yeah that that went in the initially (laughs) Um, sometimes it's the first five people as they're waiting for this Um, the last one who got one was the 20th backer Oh, wow. Um, but that that goes really that that goes really fast because uh, but it, it also helps us that it goes fast because we have to leave the spaces blank in the Simon and Kirby book for the backers to be added in. Right. And so Gilbert leaves that blank and then Gilbert works with them. Uh, we out of all the people who pledge that level, we've already gotten in touch with five of those six people. And they're already working with Gilbert on the uh, design. Some people have things they've sketched out about what their character already looks like. Drawings they may have made. There are a variety of different qualities. Right. So, some are not much more than a stick figure. Some are really <laughs> high quality drawings of what their character looks like, but it's like a static image that they did or someone else did. Right. And um, in some cases, they don't have, even have that. They just have an idea of what the character would look like. So how long is uh, it between the, this and when it will actually appear in a book? They'll appear in this book, in this Kickstarter. Okay. They'll have it in their hands when this book ships. Because as soon as Gilbert has the character sheets done, he then adds them into the comic. And that happens during the run of this Kickstarter, during these 28 days. I guess we have 29. It's an extra day for this year. Uh, during the 29 days of February, he'll be busily drawing that in. The rest of the book is complete 100%. So these it's characters lettered, are... it's colored, it's everything's done. He just needs to add those characters in. So they're not going to actually have any speaking lines or whatever. No, just... they'll, they'll have they'll have a little bit of dialogue. Okay. But um, ba- basically, that usually ends up where we have a situation where the team has to rush in. Right. And just like you know, you're reading the X Men, and, and you know the story is mostly about Wolverine. <laughs> and then over all of a sudden Wolverine's overwhelmed and the rest of the team rushes right. in and, you know, and, saves. <laughs> and, and so because we don't know what powers we're going to deal with what the character's going to look like what scale or size they are 
um, Gilbert leaves those whole pages undone. Okay. And so, um, so he has a he has a rough sketch, but then he has to start drawing quickly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which he's very good at. Oh, well, that's good. And, and uh, I mean, in some cases, we've had four comics by Gilbert in the Kickstarter. Wow. Um, Gilbert draws uh, Sergeant Flag every month. He's done half of the Simon and Kirby books. Um, he does Invictus for us, and he does his own highlight. Wow. And so Invictus isn't in this round. And uh, we've got a special instead of the Sergeant Flag. So he's not doing four comics on this particular run, but typically he's doing four comics for us. So what are the five books that are part of this? Okay, so we've got uh, we've got Simon and Kirby, the agent we were talking about, mm -hmm. where you could join the G-Men. Uh, this time, instead of doing this traditional Sergeant Flag book, uh, we're doing Sergeant Flag meets Tomorrow Girl. Right. If you're familiar with Ben Dunn's Tomorrow Girl and Ninja High School. Um, and so with that, we're going to do a crossover into our version of the multiverse, into the indieverse. Eric Bennett, who is uh, one of our part one of the partners at G-Man Comics, did a comic called uh, in, in the Indieverse. And um, in his, his book, he just had profile pages like uh, the multiverse did for DC and different independent publishers got to sponsor their characters on the in oh. the page and so you had a little handbook for everyone in the independent universe so we've got three different independent universe creators um, who will make a cameo appearance in there uh, this isn't the backer thing we've really got the art done it's right, really uh, complete there um, and we've got Ben Dunn's character so basically our characters are done in standard superhero style and Ben Dunn's characters are done in manga style <laughs> because he's in a manga universe. Right. And so um, our characters are chasing after someone who's interdimensional hopping as best they can. Right. And literally they bump into Tomorrow Girl and she goes into the next universe with them, separated from two of the other characters who are stranded in her universe. <laughs> as she's literally just bumped through the hole. And so then we take her... And, and as they're doing this, they travel through different, you know, parts of the universe. So we, that's why we have three different, you know, right. different universes she goes through before she's stuck in ours. And so then as they're trying to get her home, we get to explore different parts of the G-Man universe. And so um, Jim Burroughs uh, writes some of the parts with his characters in it as we go through her, his, his attempts to get her home. Right. Eric Bennett writes the parts of his universe as his characters are trying to get her home, as we're just trying to get her home and our characters back into our universe. Wow. So I thought that would be a lot of fun, and it was a nice crossover. And uh, it was very nice of Ben to let us use uh, Tomorrow Girl. So this is like 20, these are 20 page comic books? 20 page comic books. That's, that's a lot of stuff for 20 pages. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 it, it, it's tightly packed. Oh, yeah, it sounds that. And so then I've got uh, Lynx, uh, which is a character kind of uh, kind of reminiscent of Catman and, and Kitten, uh, kind, of, kind of written like a Batman and, and Robin type character, whether it, it's a team of two characters. Right. Uh, right. Lynx is a uh, plural of Lynx is Lynx because you know it ends in an X. Right. Uh, I mean, some people say Lynxes, but that's not a, that's not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we, I've got a male and female team. And I, I like to deal with that team dynamic with the two of them. 
and how they relate and how you know and all that so i've been doing that for a while i decided i wanted to touch on this batman and robin dynamic a little more so we introduced two new characters and she's an eight-year-old girl just like robin was an eight-year-old boy mm -hmm. when batman met up with him but and he's a full-grown man and so we deal with some of that dynamic and you know and uh the losses he suffered to put him out of the streets in a costume and the losses she suffered that she wants to would be willing to actually even team up with him right and, and so I thought that also touches on the Batman and Robin dynamic that I'm doing with Lynx in a different way. Because I do that with the agent and Sergeant Flag too. They're both patriotic characters. Right. But they come at it from very different reactions. Whereas Sergeant Flag is almost Punisher like. You know what I mean? All yeah. guns blazing and all action. Like it like uh, you know, an image comic was when they started in the nineties. Yeah. And uh, Agent Kirby is more of a Silver Age style, uh, you know, Captain America analog, where it's much more planning and plotting and much more, uh, you know, gr gr plan planned action right. and, and reaction. And um, then we've got an anthology book with a variety of different stories. Um, Atomic Bombshell, it, it, did you ever see that episode of Twilight Zone where uh, the little kid everyone was afraid of yeah right yeah and and so you know oh it's a good thing oh it's a good oh, thing yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. so i just i thought it would be a, a fun story to do and we've been doing we've been carrying this forward for a while with atomic bombshell where as a child she was a nuclear bomb just like captain adam was <laughs> you know you know they were always worried he'd explode right okay so no one tells her no because she's a child <laughs> who could explode and irradiate everyone to death and now she's an adult and she's grown up with everyone afraid to tell her no. Right. <laughs> oh, that sounds interesting. And so we've done some fun things with that. And then we do a, a cuter, more cartoonish style with um, Kid Terror and Agent Squires. Okay. And uh, Kid Terror, Terror and Agent Squires, um, uh, the old Black Terror character, we, we decided that he would be black in our story. And so he was Terror Noir. Mm -hmm. and we killed him off. We've killed off a few characters. Yeah. Uh, and so then we decided, well, what would we do after we killed him off? We'd have, we have his son who's now fatherless and he's having to deal with this. Right. And so we teamed him up with Agent Squires who's um, our, our character like uh, Agent Coulson from mm -hmm. you know yeah, agents of shields where he's not a superhero he's just a guy right <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> when, when the superheroes show up and beat up the bad guy he's the guy who deals with the police afterwards as they <laughs> put them into the squad car he's the guy who deals with the property owner as they're having to deal with the property damage he's the one who does all the cleanup work right that needs to be done because you just had a major superhero battle right and so now he, his friend's uh, son is now fatherless. And so he's trying to help him out and mentor him. And of course, he thinks he's the mentor and, and Kid Terry thinks he's the sidekick. Right. Because he's in the costume and the other guy isn't. So, right. you know. <laughs> and, and so we have a little fun with that. And then um, Eric's doing uh, more with uh, Avalon and, um, and Tyrannus and the backstory there. And we've got a continuing story there that's going. And then Tyrannus is crossing over with uh, another character, uh, Try. 
And that one we're doing as a mini comic. And so it's a digital mini comic. And um, if we hit uh, four, and everyone, if we hit four thousand dollars, everyone gets a copy of the digital comic. Right. And if you bought a copy of the anthology comic, we'll add that in to print. Huh. Because we, you know, we'll just add it on. You haven't hit we'll four thousand yet. What? You haven't hit four thousand dollars yet? No, no, we're at twenty five hundred right oh, now okay. as we're as we're speaking. Oh, and yeah. so um, it, it's moving along. But yeah, we, yeah. We, it's a long month. It's a long month, and um, you know I got uh, Brad Gorby who uh, to do a cover for me. I always liked his art, and so um, I had contacted him. And the, initially, when I contacted him, he, he said, you know, he was semi-retired. He, you know, he wasn't going to do some comic covers, and so I left it alone for a little while. And then I talked, you know, but I, but I had no, I had talked to him and known him from his other work, and so. Um, I thought that uh, I, I'd keep in touch with him and keep talking to him, and eventually he agreed to do a cover for us. That's cool. And so, uh, you know, that we're going to do that this time. And, and I always like to do someone that I have some. If I'm doing covers, I like to have some connection with the person who's doing the cover for me. Right. It's not just someone random that I have no connection with whatsoever because they're a nice artist. Right. Because you know, for, you know, you want to you want to support it. If I'm doing this project, it's nice to have something that's a memento from something that's important to me. Right. No, it makes sense. You want to work with people that you like. Yeah, and, and Gilbert is doing his own book in addition to doing our books. Oh. So he's doing Highlight, and he has a um, Facebook page called The Arena, where um, he, um, you know, you sponsor your character in the arena, and the characters fight theoretically you know it's on facebook so they're not really fighting right but there's a poll and people vote for who's going to win and they campaign to see why you'd like that person to win you know and all that and people vote and whoever wins gets a mock cover huh. where that gilbert does with the winners wow and so that's that's uh that's where i, I started working with gilbert he was doing mock covers of my characters huh. and we didn't think we were publishing comic what did i know yeah <laughs> and, and again, we do each each uh, campaign. We do uh, a supplement to the handbook. So right. the sup the handbook is all six backers. That, that that's going to take up six pages. And then as we introduce new characters, the new characters we introduce for, in the in the books that we're publishing, those characters get new entries too. Wow! So it's it's grown to be. I assume it's quite a little handbook now. Well, it's just a supplement. Right. Uh, we we um, a few we had done we had done just uh, you know just each Kickstarter thing. So we had not, we have this will be our ninth handbook. Oh. But at one Kickstarter, we decided that we would collect uh, uh, the first one. We thought, oh, with the second one, we'll just add pages. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, yeah. And, and then it seemed like well, people who are going to get this are going to feel like they're getting they the same this pages before, over yeah. and over again. So then we decided that we were going to split the, split it into, um, we did a backer handbook and a, a, a main character handbook. And then the shipping on that was enormous. <laughs> yeah, because it was thick and it was heavy. Right, yeah. And so we decided that uh, we're just doing supplements going forward. So it's just the new characters um, from the universe. And, you know, if you bought all nine, you're going to get a little bit of duplication there. Um, especially the first one. The first one was what we, the first thing we ever published, and it was never intended that we were going to publish any comics after that. We just we were going to publish a handbook, huh. 
<laughs> so if I'm right, you seem like you write like most of the books, or is that, or at least majority of them? At least in this um, Kickstarter, it seemed like your name was on three. In this them. Kickstarter, I've written the majority of them. Um, Jim and Eric always do some writing too, and they did some writing on um, the Sergeant Flag book. And they uh, and Eric is also writing a chapter in the uh, G Men United uh, anthology book we're doing. Um, yeah, Tyrannus uh, will probably will be back soon, and so will Invictus. And Jim and Eric each write a book. Right. Um, but we, we break up the duties, and you know it's it's all a matter of what we like. It, I, I'm just always amazed because I know you do a lot of things, and the fact that you can crank out stories on top of everything else is, is pretty amazing. Um, so uh, I noticed that you had uh, Rob Liefeld ha has some covers well he did a cover for oh, us okay. um, it, the first issue of um, Sergeant Flag he did the cover for that what was it like and, working with him oh no he, he's a dream to work with uh, he's real really I mean it, it's hard to get on his schedule uh, just because when I contacted him, I was going to have him do a cover for the anthology book because Sergeant Flag was originally in G-Men Three and One. Three and One was the three of us, me, Eric, and Jim, each writing one story in an anthology book. So right. you got three different writers with three different stories, and I just wanted Rob to do a cover for that. But Rob was booked up forever with the stuff that he had already lined up. And so he said it would probably be about a year before he could get to me. And a year later, he did. Oh. And when he was ready to do the cover, we were ready to spin Sergeant Flag off into his own book. Okay. We, we'd gotten good response in the anthology, and, and so we spun him off into his own book. So Rob ended up doing the cover for the first issue. And so naturally, we did the cover, um, you know, uh, it was one cover, but we, we did it with the trade dress. We did it virgin style without the trade dress and none of the logos and anything. Then we did it in black and white the same way. Right, okay. Uh, you know, just the line art. Well, that's I'm sure that'll be a, a big seller for you. It, it's been popular. It, it is. But, you know, it, uh, the trick is always you want the fans to read the book and like the book as opposed to just collect the book because they wanted the cover. Right. And then put it in a bag and, you know, I'd like I'd like the fans to come back again next month, next Kickstarter and, and buy it again. And so you always have to, but um, I, I've known Rob since uh, he was about 17. We wow. shopped at the same comic book store together, huh. um, you know, and um, I, I saw his stuff as he was uh, just starting on Hawk and the Dove and he'd done some independent stuff. And so, and, and we lived in the same general area. I was, I, uh, when I was little, we were in Anaheim and right now I'm in my father's house and he moved here, you know, when I, when I was seven, right. but before that we lived in Anaheim and Rob lived in Anaheim and I'm still not that far away. And so we would shop at uh, the oh. comic shops in Fullerton. Oh, so you actually, you, you have a personal relationship with him. Yeah. Not that we hang out together. No, no, but we're not, we're not what I would call friends were friendly right. and not okay. that we wouldn't, you know, necessarily just, we don't, we don't travel in the same circles, right. uh, but, but, you know, he, he, you know, I, I really appreciate that he did that for me. That was, it was a unbelievable niceness that he didn't have to do. Right. Um, so I'm going to ask you, and I think I know the answer print or digital. What's your preference for me? Well, it depends on what I'm doing. To tell you the truth, if I'm reading for enjoyment, it has to be print. 
Okay, but uh, I, I also do First Comics News. Right. <laughs> and for First Comics News, when I'm doing the news and I'm going to review something someone else did, um, it's usually easier if it's digital. Right. And the reason it's easier if it's digital is because I can read through it on, on the laptop and I can clip art if I want to clip art. And I can pull the cover off if I need to pull the cover off and, and use it for review or use it for promotions or things like that. So it really depends. If I'm gonna, if I'm sitting at home reading a comic because I like it, I go to the comic store every Wednesday still. After, you know, my, you know. And so if I pick up something that I'm just gonna read, it, it has to be print. You know, I, I, I remember when I used to go to the comic store and you'd smell the decaying smell of newsprint. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that, those were my early memories of getting back issues. Is you know <laughs> that, that smell of rotting paper. Yeah. Um, and, and so the whole comic experience is kind of visceral to me. I, I you know, the, holding the comic is part of the the joy of it. Uh, just because you know it takes you back to all the stuff you saw before. Um, so I, I like to I like that if it's uh, my own, and not only that, it's kind of collectible. And I keep all my comics, and I put them in bags, and I've got drawer boxes at home, and I've yeah. got uh, cabinets in the garage, and I've got long boxes and short boxes, and so you can pick them up, you can take them, you can fill them. Yeah, I I, I don't I, go back to a lot of the digital comics unless I'm looking for something specific. Well, also with you, you can't get somebody to sign a digital comic, really. You know, I mean, once you can, but then you can't really use the laptop after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, I guess you could. <laughs> but I mean, there's there's something you can show it to somebody and hey, sign this, as opposed to uh, you know. Yeah, it it takes all the collectability out of the joy of comics, and if you look at what DC and Marvel are doing. Yeah, well, especially DC, there are like four covers for almost every comic, mm -hmm. and and Marvel is you know sometimes twelve, sometimes two, you know, <laughs> and um, you know, and I get DC doesn't back away from that. Sometimes they're twelve there too, but that's all for a collectible market. That's all for people who want print books. No one is buying the digital comic hoping you'll have twelve digital covers stuck in there as pinups. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that that's the whole market is people who really like the paper. I noticed that you're uh, affiliate with Kablam. Are Kablam is our printer. Right. Yeah. But um, uh, Barry Gregory um, is one of the owners of Kablam. Yes. And I met him in San Diego. Uh, he was sharing a booth um, with Steve Butler, who's a buddy of mine. Steve... Um, was the uh, one of the artists on Badger early in the 80s that uh, I really liked on Badger. And then when I worked, went to work for Archie Comics, he was doing Sonic. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then he did uh, the first new looks for Betty and Veronica. So I got to spend a lot of time talking to him. I talked to him on the phone, we emailed and things like that. And we Facebook all the time. Even now we continue to Facebook all the time. And so I met Barry through, uh, they were sharing a table together. And Steve was doing the covers for Barry's independent comic. And so um, that, that turned out to be really cool. And then Barry now does a column for First Comics News. Right. So it, it, all, it all comes you know, full circle as, you, as we all kind of help support each other in all of this. Yeah. But I'm really happy with the quality that uh, Kablam puts out. I'm really happy with the way they work with us with our with uh, some limited editions, with some special covers, 
um, you know, and Kablam does all of the um, part that I really don't want to do in that they package the book up and ship it off to my customer for me. Right. So I don't have to physically box each comic yeah. because it takes everything we've got to do two, two Kickstarters a year <laughs> while I maintain a full-time day job, run the uh, comic news website and maintain some family time. Yeah, I was, I'll get to that uh, later, uh, all the things you do. Yeah, I've, they've been very nice. Barry and Jenny have been very nice to us. Yes. And uh, she's been complimentary when I wasn't expecting her to have, actually have even looked at what we submitted or whatever. So. Yeah, and Tommy too. I don't know who Tommy is. Oh, to Tommy's the, the third partner. Okay. And he did uh, he did some uh, headers for our letter page for us once and some uh, and a backup story. Just okay. a one-page backup story, and, and so that was fun too. Is he, is he the one that you get the email from saying he's sending sending you something? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, that's the yes. They, when, when they ship, you get an email from Tommy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Then, then I know who that is. I just I thought it was just somebody that worked there. You know. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay, so he's a partner, and, and he's the one who put together the website when you're putting your orders in. Okay. So you know he did all that. Yeah. And I, I like how you, you have a message with them, and not like you know, I have a hundred messages going back and forth. Oh, you you can, you can delete the old ones. I know, but I just it's just yeah. I guess yeah, I know. I, just like this. Oh yeah. yeah, there it is at the bottom. I want to talk about. That. Yeah. Um. So you you have fifty two books. You guys have. With this with this Kickstarter, when it, it when it goes to press, there will be fifty two comics in press. And how many creators are involved with G Man? Um, I think it's approximately 36. I, I'd have to count because it changes. We get new people every Kickstarter. Uh, you know, Enrique joined us. Um, Tia, Tia was doing the color on um, links. And he said, uh, you got to meet Enrique. Okay. <laughs> Enrique. And so uh, they did the cover, the Sergeant Flag cover for G-Men 3-in-1. And I hadn't seen any of his art before. And so they did that cover for us. And um, it was an unexpected cover because we were done. We were ready to go, you know, with Kickstarter, we're starting. Yeah. And he said, you know, and Tia said, we want to do a cover. And so I said, well, we'll throw it in as a bonus cover. And, and it turned out to be really nice looking. And so then we put him on um, the atomic bombshell story for the next round. And, and that came out real nice and we were happy with that and you know really pretty uh, dragon in that and you know all the girls in that and so this time he's doing the um sergeant flag story and he's doing the manga stuff with the manga stuff and the other people's characters from different parts of the other universes and so um you know that's working out really nicely and um you know it just i get submissions every day i mean I, including today wow um, you get once you're you're actively publishing, people want to show you their samples, right? And so, and they range from people who could potentially actually be working for us, and, and that has happened, to people who have uh, who aren't ready, right? You know what I mean? Not to say they'll never be ready. No, but they're just not ready yet. And um, you know, you look at any artist's early stuff when they're starting out. And there was a point at which, um, you know, well, they they weren't ready for Marvel, but they were ready for, you know, to do their own thing. Right. And um, we'd like to think we put out a, something, you know, an equivalent quality to a mid-level Marvel or DC book. I mean, we're not doing the top level, 
you know, quality, but I'd like to think that we put out something that's akin to that level of quality uh, with the art and the coloring. And So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought with G-Man Comics, each creator owns their own work. That's correct. And well, they're their own characters, yeah. They're on their characters, and, so, yeah. and and you all exist in kind of the same multiverse, right? Yeah. What happened was, I um, when we all got together, I didn't have a, a huge backstory for my characters. I had characters I had created thirty years ago when I was running a comic store and thought I was going to publish my own comics. <laughs> and and I never, you know, and I had characters I'd drawn as a kid and things like that, but I didn't have um, a whole lot of backstory to them. I didn't have a whole built-out world and universe. Right. Jim had been playing superhero role-playing games forever, and if you're if you've ever played the, these role-playing games, it's a huge universe you built. Right. And so he had this enormous universe that he was using, and so we just set it in his universe. And so we changed the. Um, I, I had originally decided that. Um, you know, the agent would be operating in Capital City because I didn't want to name an actual city because we weren't going to use actual people. Right. You know, because of, you know, all the stuff that goes with that. Yeah. But once uh, Jim was on board and we were using his universe, it became Washington, D.C. Ah. We used real names oh, because there's only city. one fictitious city in his universe. Yeah. And, and so, um, but it helps because there, there's a lot of backstory and a lot of depth to it. And his characters are, are really, you know, well thought out over quite a long time. And while I'm really good with the um, dialogue and the interaction between the characters, I'm not thinking back to what their parents were and who their grandparents were and how they relate to to their yeah. city. I mean, you know, I mean, like Gotham City is its own you know, part, character in the comic. Right. And Metropolis is, but like you don't really think much of Coast City that you know for Green Lantern, right? And, and my characters are operating more in Coast City than they are <laughs> <laughs> in Gotham. Or yeah, Gotham or Metropolis. So, is every so if everybody owns their own characters, is it kind of like the NFL and you split the proceeds accordingly? I mean, everybody gets a well, share. Well, no, no. If or? if uh, if my if my characters flow over into Jim's book, it's Jim's book. I see. It, but you know, we, you know, it, it's like the early image stuff. We're doing a guild style, like Image did. So yeah. if it's, uh, you know, if it's Jim's, you know, if Jim decides he doesn't want to play with us anymore, he still gets to take all of his pages and all of his toys. And even though my characters were in his pages of his book, he still can publish his book forever without me. Okay. If Eric decides he wants to go and publish his stuff, he can take the stuff where my characters guest starred. And, and, and vice versa. We're, we're you know, and, and the same thing for the backers. If they, it, it says on the Kickstarter, you know, if your character appears in the book, we have the right to republish this for all eternity. <laughs> you know, you can republish the, the handbook page that's, as your character in it for all eternity too. Right. We're not infringing. We're not going to do new stories with your character without you. Right. We're not taking over your character, but we do want to have the right to reprint our own comics. Right. And so it's designed so that you could break it apart if you needed to, but uh, we we've been having a good time. So, but so this Kickstarter is to raise money to finish the books and publish a, them. And well, no, the, the Kickstarter's you, you'd think so, but the Kickstarter is really designed to pay the printer and the artist for the next Kickstarter. I see. 
uh, you know, we were, I've already got four scripts already written for the, for the August Kickstarter and I've already got, uh, two artists already working ahead. Okay. Um, and, 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 and so the ball, it never stops. Right. Yeah. You know, it, 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 there, there's never an end. It just keeps rolling. You know what I mean? So it goes from one Kickstarter to the next Kickstarter to the next Kickstarter. And so the, um, if the comics are already funded before we um, start the Kickstarter for the art, the people are really paying to print their own comic. Right. And, and, and so once they pay to print their own comic, the rest of the money goes into the next Kickstarter. And so then we know what we can and can't do based on how well the Kickstarter does. If we, you know, if it goes wildly successful, we could publish 50 books. And if it goes really poorly, we publish like one eight page leaflet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um eventually we'll stop publishing we'll go out of business and the last kickstarter will be all profit but at the moment it's just uh, you know it's just you're self-publishing you know how this works it yeah. just keeps rolling forward profit has not come <laughs> up in my vocabulary yet um so you but, but there comes a point at which you say okay you know yeah. we're not we're not doing this anymore that we've done enough we we you know we're 95 years old and no one wants to hear what we have to <laughs> say anymore and uh that then as they you know the money still keeps coming in on everything you've done before and you catch up in it yeah i'm hoping that someday we actually get money coming in uh <laughs> so, so you're the editor-in-chief of g-man comics what yes. what is that role exactly um, the role is that I, I kind of organize the teams. Um, Jim is our uh, managing editor, uh, managing editor, and he was uh, he does all the production work. And I've got a script editor who works with me, um, Chris Squires, who is literally Agent Squires in real life, and uh, he was my proofreader at Archie when I was at Archie. Right. And so he goes, uh, you know, and he goes over all my scripts after I write them and, you know, gives them a good looking over and make sure that things are, you know, appropriate and makes suggestions and corrections and all that. But I, I put together the teams and, um, you know, the, it's not like we give Eric someone he doesn't want to work with. Right. You know what I mean? Eric picks out who he wants, but we, we, I, put, I make sure that every, everything keeps rolling. Uh, you know, it's um, and um, do you review the pages as they are as they're ready, or we all review the pages as they're oh, ready. Okay. Um, the um, we use Facebook a lot since we're all in different parts of the country and different parts of the world in some cases. Right. Uh, most of our artists are um, uh, it, some of them are Americans, but but some of them are in the Philippines, some of them are in Brazil, mm -hmm. uh, some of them are in Mexico. And so what happens is we start a group chat on Facebook for each comic separately. Okay. And so I, I'll put the script up in, or I'll email the script. And then as they're working, they'll put their work up. And so we can see it and we can see this, you know, all of us as a group can see it. And we can make comments and we can see where their corrections and, and see where we're happy and make sure everything's going well at each step of the process. And so there are no mysteries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's got to be really time consuming, though, for you. 
it takes a little bit of time every day, but you know, I'm just living my life. Um, and all of a sudden pops my phone flashes and there's a piece of art. It's pretty and, and it's nice. And it's, you know, nice to see it go. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that's pretty much how life goes. Yeah. And so I, I see it on my phone and then when I, I get to my laptop, I can blow it up to comic book size. And then you say, you, you know, um, one of the boot cuffs is red and one of the boot cuffs is blue on Sergeant Flag, and you got them backwards. Can right. we flip that? Yeah. You know, or, um, you know, no, no, that guy was left on page three, you know, in, in the book earlier. You can't have him in the background on page seven. Right. Or, you uh, know, but, yeah. but it's not just me. That That's me and it's Eric and it's Jim. And, it, you know, we're all looking at the stuff all together, trying to back each other up. There's not too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. No, we all get along really nicely. That's good. Well, I mean, it, Jim, Eric, and I get along really nicely. And if we had trouble with an artist, we just don't work with them again. Uh, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, no. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're the core. You know what I mean? Of the, of the team. Uh, Gilbert, we made him the art director uh, because he was literally drawing all the character sheets. Okay. And um, in, in cases where he's doing, um, you know, some of the book and, and Alan, when Alan was doing, um, it, you know, was doing Simon and Kirby, the agent, and then Gilbert was doing the handbook. I needed Gilbert to relay some of the character designs to Alan and make sure that that was the same. Um, not that he's in there telling each artist what to do with each thing. But, um, you know, he, he's doing all the character design work for us. Uh, he's done the first issue of everything that I've done, huh. um, you know, and help build that and help build the world. And we work together nicely. Um, and, and I'm real happy with his design work. And so he does a lot of our design work. Uh, who inspires you? A lot of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the fact that you're doing this is inspirational i mean I, I no seriously i understand that you, you you know you say well it's not you know but you're, you're doing this for five years yeah and you're doing this with your family and you know that means a lot to me and it you know and i, I like to see i like to see you you know it's not easy none of this is easy no and you have to put it together and the guy who did sort of bigfoot um Josh Henneman, if you ever uh, saw that book, you know, you put, he put years of his life into this. He was producing one comic a year. And it, it's really inspiring to see people put their, their energy into this and wanting to share it. And it's a lot to, to really have that drive and want to be able to do that. And there's a lot of adversity in publishing comics. It's not like it's easy. Oh, yeah. It's not like everything goes your way. And yet you put your head down and you do it again. And you do it over and over and over again. I mean, that's one of the things I appreciate about Rob is that, you know, there are a lot of people who say negative things. But he puts his head down and he does his art and he's drawing every single day. Yeah. And people buy it. And it's popular. And that doesn't stop people from saying negative things. And that doesn't stop him from doing what he loves. Right. And you and I are facing adversity every day with this stuff. And every day there's a challenge with it. And yet you just keep doing it year after year because you love it. Yeah. And or, or, or you're insane, one of the two. <laughs> I, I wouldn't rule that out for any of us. Um, um, you know, there, there was a meme I saw um, about two weeks ago. Um, and, and Eric had shared it, too. And it said, uh, 
teach a man to where the comic book store is and he'll be poor for a day <laughs> teach a man to publish comics and he'll be poor for the rest of his life <laughs> <laughs> that's very true i've seen that and totally I think <laughs> and i thought that was very funny yeah uh, <laughs> Sad, sadly but true yes no it's uh it's 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 a you want people you do this you want people to read your book as you, right. as you were saying you you know you're, i'm doing this hopefully you'll read it you know yeah exactly it's a labor of love it's it, i mean you, your whole goal is that someone will read it and enjoy it yes and then and, want to read and, the next and one more than anything else because if you counted the number of hours you put into this it is probably the worst investment in your entire <laughs> life <laughs> yeah <laughs> however it, the joy that it gives you to actually have your own comic in your hand that's worth a lot. No, yeah, it's really cool. And, and, and the stick to itiveness to do it, no, no matter you know, over and over and over again. That yeah. that's worth something too. Well, you uh, know, um, heroic publishing has been around for like twenty-seven years, and and they're still going. Bill Black uh, did a cover for me, and um, I'm actually going to put him in, in in one of my comics at some point. Um, and, and he put me in Femforce number two hundred. I, I had a cameo. Huh. And, um, you know, he's been doing this since 69 when you had to mail order the comics. Right. And he's been producing his comics month after month after month, decade after decade after decade, you know, and through adversity, through distributors going out of business, leaving him unpaid for the books that they had, you know, um, and it's still going on. How many, I mean, I understand that, you know, Spawn and, Savage Dragon are making it up to numbers close to Cerebus, you know, passing Cerebus at 300. But he's at 200. How many indie books have made it to 200 monthly issues over, you know, just. Yeah. And the fact he can do it monthly is pretty good, too. Yeah. Well, I actually think he's, qu he's quarterly, but oh, yeah, okay. still well, the idea. Sometimes. Which is even harder to get to 200. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of quarters. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, those those things really inspire me that people are willing to do whatever it takes to get their art out there and share it. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we inspire you. <laughs> no, you really do. Um, I, I, well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, when we talked at Comic-Con, uh, you mentioned that you were able to get one of your books on Diamond. and I th uh, No, that hasn't happened yet. Okay. We're, we're, we're working towards a goal like that, but right. we, haven't, we haven't made it there yet. Okay. Uh, is that kind of... Uh, um, that's hard to do. I know that. Well, it's easier to do now than it, it was in the past, I believe, because um, I, I think that now that uh, Marvel and DC aren't there, they're, they're a little more open to, to more independent com comics. But the, the issue had always been the minimums that you had to hit at Diamond. And, and I, it's hard to know if you're going to make it or not initially. Right. And in addition to that, you know, you, you got three orders before your first comic really ships. Maybe two, right. you know, two and a half. Um, and, and so you're certainly got four issues out the door before you see the payment on the first one. Right. Because they got to collect the money from the, uh, it, you know, the retailers have to pay the distributors, the distributor has to do all their bookkeeping, then they have to send the money to you. And so you have to have, you have to have enough deep pockets to prime the pump. And we're already priming the pump with uh, Kickstarter. You know, where we sold the first ones and then hope to make enough money to roll it into the second ones. And that's why we started with two books. And that's why we're up to six now is it's worked, right. uh, you know, but you can't. Uh, I, I don't think that we have the wherewithal on our own 
to prime the pump for diamond at the same time. And I think the margins of diamond are a little smaller because the price point's a little lower. And, um, you know, and, and there, there's some things with the printing where the printing is a little cheaper too for diamond so that you can get to that lower price point. But it, it's a little different and it, we're just, we weren't prepared for that without a partner. So we're still working on that. Right. Um, part, of, part of that was that um, we, we wanted to do something with um, Antarctic Press and we were talking to them and we are now that's the, the i mean that's tomorrow girl in uh the sergeant flag comic okay. and so um theoretically at some point it will see life from antarctic press going the opposite direction uh you know what i mean and, and so that'll be in diamond at some point in the future right. um i don't know if they'll do it you know i I, I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work out as it works out in the future. I don't know if it'll be part of a trade paperback with Tomorrow Girl and it'll just be a story in it, or if they'll do their own standalone or, or, or how they'll feel about it. Right. But uh, that, that it will see life there uh, in Diamond somehow with that story. Well, that's, I mean, that's the, the dream, isn't it, to be in every, you know, hopefully they have a chance to be in every comic book store. The, the dream is to walk into the comic book store on Wednesday, and I still go to the comic store every Wednesday. Right. And there is your comic on the shelf. Yeah. And the real dream would be to see piles of your comics in everyone's hands as they're walking <laughs> out to the register, saying, I need one copy for me, and I need a bag and board one, and, you know. But yeah. That would, in, in real life, I'd just be happy to see a few copies on the shelf. <laughs> um, have you ever tried to just go into a local comic book store and have them put your stuff up, or...? Oh, no, no, we do. We do that. Okay. Um, I, I, the comic shop I shop in every week, um, put our stuff on the shelf. And uh, Jim did the same thing with his, and Eric did the same thing at his comic shop. And so, uh, and, and we gave them a few back issues, too. Um, you know, one time when we gave them the new issues, so that they had, you know, so if someone came in and wanted to buy issue three, they'd still be able to get issue one and two. And so, um, you know, it, but that that's not quite the same thing as being across the country. No, no, no. Three comic stores are a little small. Right. No, but it's nice to actually be able to go to a comic book store and see your stuff. Yeah. No, no, I took. I think I took a picture and put it on Facebook when they were on the show. <laughs> Even though it was only one comic store for me. Um, in Nobody Jim's comic store... <laughs> in Jim's comic store, he made a whole poster for the window. Oh. And, uh, you know, and you can do that. You can take the... He, he does production anyway for us. So he did the production and blew it up into a poster size and then, um, you know, took it to the shop and they put it in the window to help sell the comics that we were doing. And he's a local creator. Um, so in addition, uh, we, as we talked at the top of the show, in addition to G-Man, you're also the editor-in-chief of First Comic News. Yes. I, um, I had been worked for the Comic Buyer's Guide when there was a Comic Buyer's Guide. Um, you have to be an older fan to know that. And then um, from there, I worked. Um, I worked on um, Borderline uh, Magazine, which was digital. And uh, from there, I went to Silver Bullet, where I was. Uh, I, I wrote there and did interviews and was an editor there. And from Silver Bullet, I went to Newsarama. But I had a lot of interviews that were in the works because it takes. It, they don't. It's not like you interview someone over one minute and you know and it's already sometimes you, there's a whole process and you have to set it up and you, you have go back and forth and you get production art and things yeah. aren't ready yet and so i had some things that were midstream 
when I started working at Newsarama that were from Silver Bullet. And so um, I, they didn't want to use them because they had someone else who was already working there doing the exact same story, different questions, different things, but they were already covering that. And so um, I talked to the people at Comic Book Resources. And so I worked for Comic Book Resources and Newsarama at the same time mm-hmm. for a few years. And um, at one point, uh, Jen, who was the um, editor-in-chief over at The Pulse, um, quit. And so I contacted them and I put uh, a business plan put together and I told them how I wanted to run um, The Pulse and leave the things that I was doing and, and just do the pulse. And um, we talked about it for a bit and then I didn't like the way they had put together the compensation package. And, um, and and I talked to them about it, but we just couldn't come to an actual understanding. But then I had a whole business plan on how to, to successfully run a comic <laughs> news website. And uh, after I'd put all that much effort into it, I just started First Comics News. And um, I, it was, it, it, it had actually started earlier with the clipping service I was doing on the Yahoo list server, you know, but it wasn't a full website. Right. And so um, when I started doing First Comics News, I just continued, I, I discontinued the clipping service and that became part of it. And so we do a lot of, um, you know, press releases as well. And we have a lot of reviewers, and uh, we do some podcasts. And um, that that one is, uh, you know, the, that that's uh, my real way to help promote small press publishers like yourself. No, and you've been very and, nice to us, honest, honestly. You. And, and a lot of other small press publishers, because that that was, you know, the once I in the eighties, once I discovered small press comics. You know, there was there was no going back. I still read the Marvel and DC comics to this day, but it was just it's just a whole different world. It's a different type of storytelling. The different voices, the different you know different emotions. It's yeah, I think and, I, and I'm one of them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you joined the uh, the indie world. Uh, no, I, I I remember going to I think one of the first panels I went to at a com uh, at a con was your how to get press coverage and you were very nice you actually came up and said so what do you got and I you know I gave you a card and he said I always send you stuff and I, you've been very supportive of everything we send you you put out and uh, Richard reviews every uh, issue and uh, Richard was interesting too because um, usually I, the, the deal with reviewers in general is most people think oh this is going to be a lot of fun and I'll get a lot of PDFs of a lot of comics and uh, I'll get them every week and this will be really cool. But there's a burnout factor in there. So some people do it forever because they just love it. Mm-hmm. And other people, when they see that it's somewhere between 50 and 100 PDFs each week, <laughs> get overwhelmed by the whole process. Yeah. And they didn't like the idea of writing a book report when they were in school. And so then as an adult, they're not excited to do a mini book report on the comic. Right. Um, Richard was doing a review. When I was at Archie, he was one of the people who reviewed the Archie comics on a regular basis. Huh. And when I was doing First Comics News, we lost a few reviewers all at once. I think three of them all at one time. So I put a little notice, help wanted as one of the articles and i said i'm looking for people who want to do comic reviews 
And he contacted me and said, I want to do comic reviews. And I said, well, you're already doing comic <laughs> your own stuff. And so we, we cross post. So he posts them on his stuff and he posts them on ours. And um, he's been doing them for a long time for us. And, you know, and he covers a lot of stuff and he has a wide range of interests. So there are a lot of real, real indie books that you haven't ever seen or heard of before. He was reviewing some, it was a guy who was doing matchbook size comics. And he reviewed like 20 of them. Wow. And, uh, you know, some, some of the, and, you know, he still reviews the mainstream comics too. And it's just whatever really, and he backs a lot of Kickstarters and there are a lot of Kickstarter books in there. Yeah. He's been very, I mean, again, he's, he's, uh, you know, he said, yeah, just send me the book and I'll review it as opposed to like, will you please do it? Yeah. And, and once he starts, he'll stick with you. So that, uh, you know, when you've got the next issue, he's excited to look at the next issue and see what's going on. Yeah. And I, yeah. I look at when he, how he rates it. Well, it's better than last time or whatever. You know, it was. Yeah, yeah it's it's. Uh, I, I do appreciate the the support that we do get through uh, first comic yeah. news. and he does he does he does quantity reviews. He's doing a lot of reviews. I mean, he's doing reviews every single day of the week, and a lot of the reviewers they'll do a review once a week. They'll do a review here and there, but I mean, he really digs into this, and every single day of his life, he spends with comics. Wow. And so sometimes he might not get a review that day because he's doing an interview with someone. Right. And that interview may take more than one day, but there isn't a day he's not working on comics. Well, it's, uh, it's good if you love doing it. That's great. Oh, yeah. Um, now, I would uh, be remiss if I didn't mention that you, okay, in addition to First Comic News and uh, G-Man Comics, you also have a full-time day job too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, well, you have to pay the bills. Yeah, you, you work in comics. You understand this. Yeah, you, you know, you're, you're lucky if you see a few dollars from the comics, right. but you still have to pay the mortgage at home. Right. And, yeah. and uh, you know, com comics is more than a hobby, but not a lot more than a hobby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure Jim Lee gets a nice paycheck. Yeah. You know what I mean. Well, that's his job, but, too. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but I mean, you got you had that whole thing last year with the hashtag comics broke me, <laughs> where you had people who were complaining they weren't making enough money in comics to pay all their bills. Right. But I mean, I I, um, near, I live uh, in just north of uh, Orange County now, and um, Devlin Grayson uh, used to shop at Funny Business in Pomona. And she started working for DC. And when, just as a startup writer, um, she fi she figured that to quit her day job, she had to be writing four comics a month. Yeah. I'm sure if you're Mark Wade, you don't have to write four a month, but right. I think he does write four a month. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, um, and so, you know, it, it, anything in the arts is hard. Right. If you're an actor, you go a lot of time without work. If you're an artist, you know, you have to sell your stuff, it, it, you know, and it, it, if you're a traditional artist, you know, it, any field in, in the arts is, is always a stretch. Yeah. Well, my question for you is, when do you sleep? Because you're sure to be busy 24-7. Um, well, literally, I sleep probably between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. Um, every night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you've responded to things I've sent you at like 11 o'clock at night. I was like, wow. 
Um, yeah, no, no. I, I, I try and target midnight as the time to go to sleep, but it's usually closer to one. Right. And then I get up at uh, five to get ready to start the day job because before I start the day job, I've got to cycle through all the news that I got from everyone else in the world since I went to sleep <laughs> because, you know, I, and I've got other people posting on the First Comics News. It's not just like it's just me. Right. We got we got a whole crew there, and everyone's posting something at all different times, and we got different people posting news and things like that. But um, you know, I usually I'm create so after I come home from work, it's dinner time, and then I spend some time with uh, you know the family, and then uh, you know my wife and I like to spend some time together, uh-huh. and then she goes to sleep at some point like a normal human being and yeah. sleeps the normal amount of hours. Um, and so then from that point, that's when I usually I start writing. Yeah, well, that's kind of, I mean, for, for me, the, it's after dinner and after that, then I can actually sit down and do whatever I'm going to do that night. And then sometimes it's writing, sometimes it's, you know, doing posts and things like that. But yeah, I mean, exactly. It, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. Well- well, when I was in high school, I was working. Um, and then when I was in college, I was working full-time and going to college full-time. Wow. And then after college, I went to law school. And I wasn't able to sleep because I was working full-time and I was studying. So are you a lawyer, and too? And so then when I was done, I, when I, was, I didn't make it through law school. Okay. But when, when, um, when I was done with school, I started sleeping eight hours. And then I thought to myself, why do I need to sleep eight hours now? <laughs> When I didn't need to sleep eight hours all these years leading up to it. <laughs> this is just laziness, all this extra sleep. I'm just being, I'm just fast. It's like pressing the fast forward in your life. And, you know, you're, you're losing a third of your life there. Mm-hmm. And if I could get by with four or five hours sleep before, I could still do that. It didn't change just because I finished, uh, you know, finished law school. So um, that that's still not, now. Now I use those extra four hours a day that I had used for sleep intermittently there <laughs> to run a small business. Yeah, um, yeah I remember uh, I was probably just starting college and we, two of my friends, we went to the seminar about how you could, you know, you don't need eight hours sleep and you could get by on less. And uh, and I think I read somewhere that uh, Hugh Hefner was trying to figure out how you could not have to sleep at all, kind of, you know, always be busy and stuff. I was like, you know, there's a part of me that at some point everybody else is asleep and you're just like staying awake. So I, well, I've, I've concluded that two hours is not enough sleep. No. If I get two hours of sleep, I'd rather not sleep at all. I'm better off powering through the day and then just getting more sleep the next day than two hours of sleep. Because with two hours of sleep, I wake up groggy and I feel like I didn't get enough rest. But four hours really does it. Well, I, I need <laughs> at least like a little under six, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same idea. You're using the extra time where everyone else in the house is asleep and it's quiet to be creative. Yeah, we're trying to be. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you. Uh, I appreciate your, your being on the show. Uh, and is there any? Uh, how do people find G-Man Comics outside of the Kickstarter? Uh, we maintain a website. It's g-man-comics.com. We decided to hyphen the comics because we wanted the hyphen between the G and the man like right. we do in the logo. Right. So we hyphen the comics too. Now, we bought the domain G-Man Comics where it all runs together. It just fast forward, just yeah. forwards to the other one. Okay. And then we have a link to the Kickstarter on that page as well. We've got all the who's who page entries that we did in the handbooks 
available on there with the heroes and the villains separated out. We've got all the covers we've ever done. We've got all the creators who worked with us. And if they just did one cover, you can still click on their name and you'll see that one cover that they did for us. And, um, you know, we try and keep track of all, you know, chronicle everything we're doing there. Okay. Well, again, thanks for the taking the time. I, I know you've probably got something you need to go work on. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on the show. I really no, appreciate it, you having me. No, here. I appreciate you being on the show. We, uh, and we're hopeful we'll have you back again sometime talking about another Kickstarter. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right. So until next time, I'm David Hankins. I'm Paul Hankins. And you've been on the air with Power Squared. Bye. Bye. <laughs>